0: course, bur bearer <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds, and I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone.
1: Ah, live from the beautiful, gleaming, state-of-the-art, streamlined studios of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, following program produced by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. I am the over-the-top, loud, obnoxious, legendary Pearl Bear. You know, that's a, a good way of looking
2: at it. <laughs> yeah, loud, obnoxious, over and the over-the-top th-
1: Pearl Bear. God. Legendary Pearl Bear, yeah. so, I'm sorry. So they say who's on top, you say uh, the loud, obnoxious, legendary Pearl Bear. Once again. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Uh, you are, uh, who are you? Oh, you're Howard Lapitas, manager to The Star. We have Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker, producer Matt Allen. We got Frank J. Hagan. I'm assuming a lovely person
0: on the telephone waiting for you to say hello.
1: Hello. Mystery guest, sign in, please. This is the brilliant and talented woman that Frank uh, Gerardo Jr. Yeah. Devoted a significant amount of time to writing. I understand. That's that's all well she wrote. uh, uh, Frank wrote a book. That's great. What's her name? What is this lovely woman's claim to fame? Well, her claim to fame is that her father... Tell us why your father is famous.
3: Well, famous is just such a bad word. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah,
0: infamous. To
3: describe him, but um, he's famous because he was a very well-known arson investigator in Glendale, and was ultimately arrested, convicted for arson and murder. So it's quite a claim to fame, I guess you could call it.
1: That uh, that's tragic. Now, of course, I know Frank very well. The book is called Burned. It's available now for pre-order. And to me, the really tragic thing about this story, probably even more so to you, is this guy is your dad, and you looked up to him. You idolized him, from what I understand, and you testified on his behalf. The journey of you from one viewpoint of your father to another must be rather, shall we say, difficult.
3: Yeah, that's an understatement for sure. Um, it, it, it was very difficult. He was a hero to us, and we would, you know, I would always tell all my friends about him and you know what he did for a living and how he would first, you know, he would actually be a firefighter and, and go and save people and animals and things like that, and then later on how respected he was for his arson investigating skills. So yeah, I mean, growing up, he was a hero, definitely.
1: At what point did your attitude or your perception change?
3: Hmm, that's so hard. It was over the years, but when he was first arrested, I I believed and backed him 100% that he was innocent. You know, my dad told me that it was a mistake. And there was the fireman committing these arsons, but it wasn't him. And that he knew who it was, but that they would get it all resolved. So I just took his word for it at the time. But over the years, you know, he was very manipulative towards me in letters and phone calls and things like that. Um, One of the things that bothered me the most was when he was arrested. He did not... um, beg me to believe that he was innocent. Like I kept saying, what would I do if I was innocent and I was being, convi- you know, charged right. with all of these charges? I would be screaming from the rooftop, you've got to believe me, I did not do this. And it, it, that never happened. He just assumed that everyone would would believe that he didn't do it. Mm. It was that simple to him. And so that was the first red flag, but I still didn't get it at that point. Years later when I had my first child or second child sorry I started to think gosh why did he let me testify so he wouldn't get the death penalty you know I I thought I would never put my child through that even if it meant that I would die Mm -hmm. I would never let my child go through that kind of trauma and so that was another red flag that started to make me think this wasn't about me it was about him
2: Lori, Lori, It's Howard. I'd like to back you up just a little bit, just for context. Okay. okay, just so our audience has total context in what you're talking about. Take us back to the beginning. Your father was a firefighter, right? And convicted of arson, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, how many? How many counts?
3: Ooh. Uh, there were multiple different ones between state and and different states, but he pled he pled guilty to three of them in Northern California. He he did a plea bargain.
2: What's the timeline on this? Uh,
3: he was arrested in 1991.
2: And he was uh, obviously the 80s is when he was burning things down.
3: Yep, all the way up till he was arrested, pretty much.
2: How'd they get him?
3: Well. It's- it was a series of things, but they did find a fingerprint somewhere at one of the incendiary devices. And um, they also, once they... At first, the fingerprint didn't match, but later on it did. Maybe Frank could talk to that part a little bit better, but he he they did have evidence against him, you know, as starting these, like eye, eyewitnesses and things like that.
1: And he did try to frame another individual for these things, didn't he, if I remember correctly? Said there was another firefighter that was responsible, he wasn't?
3: Well, he always told me that, but he would never tell me who. I don't know if he told his attorneys or anyone who he thought it was, but he never shared that with me.
2: So his sentence was Death.
3: Well, in that particular, for the arson, he was—he uh, took a plea bargain and he got um, 10 years per charge. Um, and then he came to face the other arson charges in, in um, L.A. And that was also the murder charges for four people that died in the Olyse fire. Wow. I... It was actually a murder case, you know, that he was doing the, the trial for
2: is he is he still with us yep and and he hangs out where
3: (laughs) uh gosh it's a it's a small town uh i can't even say the word but it's in northern california uh, towards sacramento
2: got it okay
1: Fair uh, fair enough well i'm trying to identify with her if it had been my dad oh yeah yeah i mean that's just it's crushing it has to be crushing it, well,
3: and the way I found out, I saw it on TV when he was being arrested. Oh, good. That's how I found out. So Jeez. that was that was challenging.
1: Yeah, challenging. That's a uh, minimizing way of putting it. Must have been a hell of an emotional roller coaster for you at the time. Desperation, that play into it.
3: Especially when he was convicted of the murders and... You know, they asked us to testify so he wouldn't get the death penalty. That right there was desperation because I felt like I had to save his life.
1: Wow. Talk about pressure. How old were you at that time?
3: Uh, very early 20s.
1: Oh, that's
2: a... Do you uh, do you get up to see him at all or is that not happening?
3: No, I, I uh, cut off all ties with him um, about 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. I asked him to convince me that he was innocent and he couldn't do that, so I ended the relationship. I did it all up front. I sent him a letter. It's all in the book about how I came to the conclusion that he was guilty and and then ultimately cut off the relationship.
2: How did you come to the conclusion that he was guilty? In your mind, how did that happen?
3: Well, you know, there were those couple things that we talked about that were irking at me over the years, but then I just started to, um, the manipulation that he was doing, um, For instance, for,
2: for instance, what would, what, how was he manipulating you?
3: Well, like he would send letters to me that would like say really nice things about me, like butter me up. Like you're such a great mom. Well, he doesn't know what kind of mom I am. He's he, Uh, You know, I was 17 when he went to jail. So, um, But he would butter me up and then say, I need you to do this for me, or I need you to send me money, or I need you to, you know, like it was basically it felt like he was using me. He didn't really care about me. And I felt like I was getting nothing from the relationship, not even love.
2: Are you the only uh, child?
3: No, actually I have a sister too.
2: And her feelings are similar?
3: Um, No, she still communicates with him, and I respect that because, you know, we all handle it in our own way. But I I didn't feel like that was a healthy relationship, and I didn't want that stress in my life from him.
2: So what's he saying these days? I'm sure your sister shares some of that with you.
3: Well, yeah, actually, during writing the book, Frank um, corresponded with him multiple times. Um, We told him what we were doing. We told him what we were putting in the book. We were very upfront about it and he still proclaims his innocence, and we told him, well, you know, we looked at what you had, but we we don't believe you.
1: That's a difficult situation. I try to simultaneously put myself in two positions. One, of being in your position, and two, as best as I can, put myself in his position, Knowing he's yeah. up against the wall, knowing it's a death penalty thing, who can I manipulate?
2: <laughs> so, right. so Burl, let's let's pretend you're in his
1: position. What? Uh, uh, take me through your thinking. Well, if I was a psychopath, which is easy, <laughs> <laughs> which is easy, if, if I got that should blade. be the
4: title of your book. Yeah. Is yeah. <laughs> that similar to you know how uh, if I had done it by O.J. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: If I had done it. But, I mean, if he's, if he's up against the wall, if he's got the uh, death penalty facing him and he knows that he has a loving daughter, I'd Two take the them. same path. Two. Two loving daughters. Right. Did he ask the other loving daughter to uh, participate in this? Was she too young? Uh,
3: you mean in the testifying? Yeah. You, no, she also testified, and so did my mom.
1: Now, is your mom still living? Yes. Well, what's her attitude?
3: That he's one hundred percent guilty.
2: Oh, are they one hundred percent divorced now?
3: Oh yeah, they have been. Uh, he had a he was married four times, and uh, he a- had a different wife when he was arrested.
4: How was your childhood? What was your father like? You know, when you were a little kid.
3: That's the thing. He was, you know. I didn't see him as self-centered like I do now. It's kind of strange, maybe just because I was a kid. But he he was affectionate. He was kind. It, you know, I looked at him as kind of the cool guy. Uh, he was well-respected by all of his friends and, you know, our family. Um, I, I, it was a nice childhood. As far I mean, you know, my parents were divorced, so that part wasn't cool, but we saw him. Um, a lot of times he was working, and we didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. But now I know it's because he was out screwing around with women and stuff. But at the time, we thought he was working. Hmm. So at the time, it was a, you know fairly normal childhood for a divorced family.
1: But meanwhile, if Dad wasn't living two lives, he would have no life at all. Yeah. So uh, that's right. It's a, you know they say with people such as your dad. There is a real—they compartmentalize. They keep those two aspects of their life from ever crossing over, ever influencing each other. And the worst thing that could happen, the most threatening thing, of course, is when those two different worlds collide somehow and the line is crossed. That's that's the worst part for them because they desperately try to separate them again. To somehow keep those two worlds from from interacting when you're arrested for something there's no way of, of doing that it's a real hardcore manipulation it's like attempting to refashion the universe so to speak I can give yeah, you Frank
3: can talk to that he was manipulating the, this whole time we were writing the book he was trying to manipulate Frank but Frank's too smart for him
1: oh yeah Frank <laughs> Frank's Frank is pretty damn sharp Uh, Frank would never allow that. He'd probably see it coming a mile away.
3: Yep, he did.
1: Yeah. Uh, How,
2: uh, how 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 did the book come about? Who approached whom here? How did that happen?
3: Well, honestly, I've been working on the book for five years. And I've gone through two previous writers before I got to Frank, and thank God I did because this was the right fit. But... Um, So I've been working on it forever. I had, you know, written down my story. I knew I wanted to write a book. Part of it was guilt-driven because I should have never testified so he wouldn't get the death penalty. Um, I I really regret that. And I guess this was sort of my way of apologizing for that of sorts. Mm. Um, It was a closure that I, I, I shouldn't have done that. And I believe he's guilty, and I think everybody deserves to know he's guilty, even though he's saying he's innocent. And there were a couple of family secrets that were revealed in the book about, you know, that family opened up to me about after um, I decided he was guilty. And I felt like the fire community and everyone should know those things because it's part of the, the puzzle that was my dad.
2: Well, I, I can't let you get any further without disclosing the family secrets. <laughs> <laughs> how, how diplomatic of you. Yeah. Well, I'm upfront about it. Come on. That's There's true. no hidden no no hidden agenda here, Lori. <laughs> Spill. So are you
3: asking me? Yes, yes of sure. course. Spill. All right, uh, Frank. Do I have the go ahead? Is he there? No.
1: Oh no no Frank uh, Frank's busy with his bomb today.
3: Oh okay. We, and by uh, the way, we well,
1: wouldn't dare have Frank in here.
3: Well, <laughs> no, let's we, put it this way: we there, love Frank. there were there, there were family members that that came to me uh, after. I had come to the realization that I thought he was guilty, and they didn't want to tell me before because I thought he was a hero, and they didn't want to ruin that for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I came to terms with it myself, then the family opened up, and, you know, he definitely had some sexual deviance in his past with um, his multiple wives. And I get into some more details about that. Um, and then also, someone had actually caught him years ago with uh, cigarettes. And he's a very adamant non smoker. And they asked him about it. And he actually admitted to lighting fires.
1: Oh, great. Oh, Small go.
3: brush fires. And so I just said, why the hell didn't you tell me that sooner? I would have come to this realization a long time ago but i guess i had to go through the process.
2: You're still angry about it?
3: Um, well, yeah, i'm angry cuz he's such a horrible man.
2: Sexual deviance with his multiple marriages. What was that all about? Yeah.
3: One in particular, he forced to play russian roulette with his gun during sex.
1: That kind of distracting.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you think? I know. How do you get in the mood with that, huh?
1: Yeah. yeah really? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, well, stop know. while I spin the cylinder.
3: I'm
2: not going to talk about my <laughs> six shooter, but. <yeah. laughs> Seriously? What, what else? <laughs> that's not enough. <laughs> no, there's more.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the main one as far as the sexual deviance. I mean, I know he cheated on every single wife. That he had the four of them. He cheated on all of them, including my mother. He hit on my grandmother while he was married to my mother.
1: Whoa! Well, why not? You know, come on. This is not the family. Yeah,
3: she's a pretty woman, but geez.
1: Yeah, that—that's a—that—that's uh, not something you bring up at Thanksgiving. Yeah.
3: And then on top of that, he allegedly raped a family member when he was twelve. Whoa. And. So there, you know, the biggest thing is that is there's a there was a history there, you know, of there being issues with him. A little you know, bit of a sociopath. Years before, yeah, yeah, years before he ever became a fireman.
1: Well, you originally wanted to be a police officer, didn't he? Did he apply to be a police yes. officer and he failed the psychological exam, so they set him up to be a fireman.
3: Exactly. <laughs>
1: That's perfect. That okay.
2: uh, always my I mean, so, my son's growing up and, and is is already a professional fireman, and this is <laughs> making me crazy. What uh, was he
1: with Glendale or with uh, uh, L.A. County or L.A.F.D.? It
3: was Glendale. Okay, Glendale
1: City. Got it. Yeah, when uh, when last uh, not the last time, but the previous time that Frank was on the show, we talked about this. I was oh, rather okay. I was rather stunned that when they. When he failed the, the psychological test to be a, a, a law enforcement officer, I'm surprised he didn't share that information with the, with the fire department. I mean, when he applied for the job of the fire department, he didn't bother to mention, <laughs> I'm not qualified yeah. to be a law enforcement officer.
3: Exactly. Good. Well, and technology wasn't what it is today where they could share those, that information between agencies. That was just so long ago.
4: But you, you don't know exactly why they rejected. You. There may be no correlation. Yes, there was. Having, I, have his hand, 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 hand. I have the psychological,
3: I have the psychological record.
1: So you do know the reason they rejected him.
3: Right. It was for sexual issues. It said sexual. It said that he had issues um, with his sexual orientation.
2: Well, that's being diplomatic.
3: <laughs> no, that's what it said, really. Okay.
2: <laughs> had, so they well, were well, being well, diplomatic. But, but what did it mean?
3: I, that's, I, I don't know.
2: Okay. That's a fair enough answer. Let, I'm going to let you slide on that. I shouldn't, but I'm going to let you
5: slide on
3: that. It's okay.
5: <laughs> and the irony is now that would make a difference. Right. Yeah, you're probably you know, right.
3: There's a, there's, a, there's a bigger irony to all that. What's that? Do you want to know what it is? Yes. No, 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 Okay. Um, the reason that I got the um, psychological evaluation was because my daughter who's seven years old today.
1: Oh, happy, oh, birthday. happy birthday.
3: there you go. <laughs> she um, came down with some severe mental illness. Mm. And the only place in my family it could have come from is my dad. Mm. And so I had to write to him to ask him if he had ever been diagnosed with anything because we were trying to diagnose my daughter. And, you know, she was actually hospitalized in a mental institution for a while because it was so bad. And I needed answers. And he told me, no, I've never been diagnosed with anything, but your sister has all my boxes and my psychological evaluations are in there. So that's how I got access to that information and a lot more that we've put in the book because we had these boxes from the trial and everything. So. It causes just a little bit more anger on my part because, it, you know, I know he has no control of the hereditary issues, but right. it still makes me mad that my kids, have, you know, are suffering with his, you know, probably due to some of his mental illness.
1: Yeah, the uh, at least your daughter wasn't hanging out in gun shops. If I If, I, right. if I may ask, Gloria, how's your daughter today?
3: Um, Very, it's she's almost hospitalized again right now it's a very difficult situation to, it, it gets better and then it, you know with them growing it, it changes and the meds you have to change and you know it's right it's very challenging
2: it cannot be easy
1: and you uh, know I mean, our thoughts and sympathies go to you yeah that's Thank a you. difficult one so puberty is going to be another rough one
4: exactly that's
1: when uh fact, there's actually i read a study that said that uh when people go through uh, the puberty, become teenagers, they actually do a certain percentage. I think it was like 33 percent or 78 RPM, whatever it was. Actually, become mentally ill by definition due to the change in the hormones in the brain, and that's why. I some, believe that. And that's why a lot of teenagers seem pretty wacko because they are. Yeah,
3: I've got one of those too. I've got one of those too. <laughs>
1: Mazel tov. (coughs) (laughs) You you hit the jackpot. Yep. Wow, at least you can't say your life's been dull and boring.
3: Well, that's for sure. Uh,
1: Probably if you don't mind a compliment, a manipulative one at that, uh, lesser people may not have handled it as well as you did. Of course, they don't know how well you handled it at the time, but...
3: Yeah, I mean, I want to think that. I, You know, that's part of writing the book is that, you know, there are so many tragedies going on these days in the world, these school shootings and everything else, and all I can think about is those family members of those criminals and how their life has changed so much overnight. And there's no one supporting them. There was no one supporting me when this happened, and my whole life was turned upside down in a, in a night. I lost my dad as if he died. He could do nothing for me.
1: Are you in therapy and now?
3: Not now, but I have been over the years, very much.
1: I would imagine so. I mean, your, your linkage to reality as to who you are as a child and who your parents are, where your role is in the universe, suddenly is redefined. Right. And that uh, can take some considerable adjustment, like finding out your I anesthesia. wish I would
3: have had counseling younger, though. Uh, I didn't get it till I was an adult, and... Um, struggling with all of this and the guilt and everything that's when i reached out for help but i wish as a you know child of 17 i would have had it right away that would have been beneficial
2: so you, you you reached out for help because nobody put you into a situation you you went to it yourself you went for your therapy why did you stop
3: yep um just life i have four kids and i'm busy and you know all those things but and my you know child with the mental health issues absorbs most of my time so oh, um so i'm kind of lucky i even got
1: through the book situation with her <laughs> well that's the uh, um, that was another question I, was, I have here is that you've been working on this for about five years you're not a professional writer of course it was your personal right. story you had a couple other people try to put this together for you uh, you were darn lucky to get frank uh yes in case there are other people out there that have the stories that they wish they had someone to help them tell what was the, what was the difference between working with with Frank gerardo and the other people who tried to help you do this
3: well the thing about frank is he i feel like he took my story seriously he he believed in my story he believed in my message that there are hidden victims of Crime, and that's the family members of the criminal. And he believed in that with me, and he thought it was a good message. And he he turned out to be the perfect person because he covered the trial years ago when it was going on. Um, so it was he was he was just great to work with. He communicated with me so much, and he was sensitive to you know things that were difficult. And I couldn't have found a better person to do this with.
1: Yeah, I've, uh, I've had the great pleasure of working with Frank on a couple books, and uh, uh, he's a true, true pro, and he really understands uh, everything to do with research, everything to do with com- compassion, and getting in tune with the story. And you were really fortunate that, yes, he did cover the trial. He knew all about the case and uh, for the get-go. So his sense of perspective is going to be far superior than just about anybody else you could get. So
2: the book is out now? Uh, coming out. So yeah. Pre-order. So pre-order. Pre-order, how do we do that?
3: Amazon. You go on Amazon and um, look up Burned or look up Frank or myself's name, and it comes up for either the Kindle version or the paperback version, um, and it'll be released on June 5th. How
4: and, did you uh, uh, find Frank?
3: That's an interesting story. You know, I, when I want to do something and I put my mind to it, I'm going to do it, and you know i had two negative experiences with writers but i still wasn't giving up and i started going to different writing um websites and finding writers of true crime and i would email them i would just email my story and say this is what i'm doing uh i need a co-author and you know can you help me and one of those was judith yates
1: oh yes judith yates has been on our show several times
3: and so she told me that she didn't have time to. I mean, of course, I went through a million people, but Judith was the last one. And uh, she said she didn't have time to be a co-author with me, but she put me in touch with her publisher. So I emailed the publisher, and within a half an hour, he was referring me to Frank.
1: Yeah, that. It was
3: just a lot, lu- a, a lucky, you know, timing thing.
1: Yeah, it's Wild Blue Press. It would have been the Steve Jackson you talked to.
3: That's exactly right. Yeah, so I just fine. did it. I found them all myself. I was just diligent.
4: That's all. Well, you, you hooked up with a good organization.
1: Yeah, yes. I, I think the deal was is uh, <laughs> Steve gets hold of Frank and says, "Hey, do you know about this case?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> said, oh yeah, I know all about this case. Well, you, you're the man for this.
3: Yep, they were pretty excited,
1: and so was I. Yeah, and so was Frank. He thought it was a great project, and uh, I don't blame him for being enthusiastic about it. Uh, case like that when you already when you already have some insights into it you got someone such as yourself who wants to tell the story that's uh, like a perfect uh, perfect storm for a book
2: right now, do, you, I, do you have any other stories in you <laughs> any sorry, other sorry, sorry. any other sick family members no, that's <laughs> not what i'm talking about but... yes i do <laughs> talk to me about that what, what are you thinking about
3: Well, I had a a very abusive stepfather. So after my mom and dad divorced when I was only a year old, my mom met my stepdad and moved him in, and he was extremely abusive. And that's why my dad was even more of a hero, because I had such a horrible stepfather at home.
1: Wow. (laughs) That makes it even more difficult.
3: Yes, because ultimately, later, years and years later, that's that
1: stepdad even kidnapped my mom
2: at knife point. I mean, he was a criminal oh, too. Oh, let's uh, slowly <laughs> bust down. What? 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 What did he do for a living? This guy.
3: He was a cable installer. Well, oh, there you course. go.
1: Oh, there you go.
3: <laughs> oh. There yeah,
1: you the go. Guy. There you go. Yeah, the cable guy. All right.
2: That's so, right. so, so, tell us about what he did to your mother. That's uh, it's outlandish. Yeah. When, once I
3: was an adult. Um, Like, they had a relationship where she would kick him out, and then he'd come back, and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. But during one of those times, she told him she wanted him to leave, and I guess he had some kind of manic episode, and put her in the car and chained her to the seat, and... um, Uh, How do
2: you do that?
1: I don't know. I can't able... When I was married, I couldn't get my wife to sit down when we were having an argument.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, (laughs) it was weird, because uh, they went in the car to go somewhere. I don't know where they were going. And um, he had already had that stuff in the car.
1: Just in case.
3: Right. Well, no, he planned it. He planned it. Oh. And he said that his plan was to take her to, I think it was Texas, and buy a gun and shoot himself in front of her.
1: Now, that's a rational
5: plan. I mean, buying a gun in Texas. Yeah redone Well,
3: there's closer places to buy a gun. Like, yeah, I know. Well, you well, can he's... buy
5: a gun at a 7-Eleven in Texas.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but he does. That, that was his plan. But they ended up stopping for gas, and my mom went to the bathroom. And there was happened to be a woman in there who's married to a sheriff. And the sheriff was off duty, but he was also in the gas station. So when the lady left, she, you know told him to call the police and everything and they did and arrested him and you know the whole thing went to jail yeah. so i, I had two you know that,
1: that thing if i'm gonna do this and shoot myself in front of you pardon me while i digress <laughs> <laughs> friend of mine's uh dear friend of mine's ex-husband did one of those he obviously had severe problems puts himself in a in a parking lot and he calls up and he's he's writing out his like his manifesto, his big explanation of everything. And he's going to kill himself and then everyone could read what he wrote. Well, he shoots himself, the foot goes on the gas pedal, the car goes racing as fast as it can into a wall. The car blows up and no one knows what he wrote.
2: Oh Oh, I thought Steve Jackson bought the story. (laughs) (laughs)
1: No I mean, I thought that had kind of an irony to it.
4: Yeah, I guess. It's uh, a... I wanted to ask you a parenting question. Oh, okay. But oh, dear old dad here. I'm from hey. Mark. I was just. You have you have four children. How do you how do you explain to them that their that their grandfathers are both in jail and what they did? Well, I think you say they're both in jail. Well.
3: I... Well, you can do it either way. I mean, I thought long and hard about this because, you know, I'm one of those people, I really want to raise good kids in this world. And uh, I thought about that. I said, would it be better to not tell them and then when they're adults just lay it on them or do I just let them grow up like it's normal, like that's just the way it is? And I decided to let them grow up as if that's just the way it is. And as questions came up, I answered them as they were age appropriate. So if... If the child was asking, depending on which child, they would ask, "Where's Grandpa?" Oh, he did some bad <laughs> things and he's in jail. Then, if they asked more questions, then I would answer them, and I just kind of let them go at their own pace. But every one well, of them yeah, they got their
1: pace. I mean, no little kid is going to say, "Well, gee, did he did he have uh, uh, have Grandma do Russian roulette while they were having sex?" They're not going to bring that up.
3: No, they're not going to bring that up. But I, but I have older children. I have a 23-year-old. So I did end up having conversations with him that were deeper than that when they were age-appropriate. Right. Uh, but my 7-year-old only knows at this point that he's in jail and that he did something bad.
1: So the thing is, he, as you know, kids go through this thing, of the, their parents and their grandparents are almost part of them. And the, the issue is, am I like him? Is, is, he part, is that an influence on what I'm going to be like? Did, did you go through that in your mind? Like, gee, am I going to start setting fires or something?
3: <laughs> well, it went through my mind that his horrible blood flows through my body. Yeah. You know, just the fact that he did something so horrible and I am from him. You know, what does that make me?
2: How did you handle that um, in therapy?
3: You know, I'm, I'm a very logical person. And, it's, you know, logically that just... Doesn't make sense. Just because he's bad doesn't make me bad, and I know I'm not bad. And you know, I just uh, I try to be a good person, and is, that's the best I can do. And that, that kind of went away for me, you know, over the years as I healed from this. But I'm nothing like him at all.
4: You uh, you spent a lot of time uh, thinking about dealing with and working on this project. How does your husband deal with that?
3: You know, it's kind of funny. It's it's so normal to him, too. Um, my husband works in law enforcement, actually. Oh. And he, it, it, you know, of course it was strange when we met, and I explained to him, you know, where my dad was and why. But um, over the years, he, he really knew that this was something I was passionate about and needed to do. And he's always been very supportive of it. He's not, you know, so have my kids. Um, One of my kids, my 12-year-old, is reading the book right now.
4: Oh. Wow. That's got to be tough.
1: Only that it gives him a broader sense of identity. uh, What's the question
2: level like? Are are there any questions?
3: Um, Not yet. He's um, only on part two, so he's been through a few chapters, but... um, you know, he does ask questions, but he, he's excited to read it, and he, it's, it's not um, upsetting or depressing to him yet. <laughs> I don't know if he will get there or not. But um, but one of my kids, my 23-year-old, when he was in high school, it's a good thing he knew, well, maybe if he didn't know it would have been better, but one of his classes in school actually did a project on my dad's case. Wow. And so that was very, very strange because he had to go to his teacher and say, "Hey, you know, that's my grandpa."
1: Oh, say, really, would you want to bring him in for show and tell? Back, back to the case. <laughs> About how many fires?
2: I know he confessed to three. Is that right?
3: Yeah, he confessed to three, yeah, he took what, a plea bargain on three.
2: What do you think the real number was? Oh, mm.
3: hundreds and hundreds,
2: and uh, at least injuries and death.
3: Well, the only one we know of for sure is the Ole fire with the four deaths, and you know one of them was a child. Oh. And um, but those are the only ones we know for sure. you know, but many of the fires that he started were in businesses open for business. So for me, that's a murderer.
1: Yeah, you know, you know, you're putting people's you life it. in danger.
3: If you know people are in that business, the business is open, and you light it on fire. Give you're
2: us, a, uh, give, give us an example of what business or what kind of business he walked into and did this.
3: The fabric stores. He would do it in a lot of fabric stores in like the pillow section because they were very um, flammable, and so he would set the device of the matches, the cigarette, and um, the paper, and then he would. Plant it into one of the displays that were flammable, and then he would leave the store, and the cigarette would burn down, and then light the matches <coughs> and start everything on fire. But he was already gone.
5: It would give you about a six to eight minute head start. Right. <clears throat>
2: but did he wander back so he could watch the fire? Was he one of those guys?
3: Well. Yes, and, uh, you know, thinking back now, of course, I didn't think it was weird at the time, but he had so many pictures of fires, like, over the years in his house, everywhere. There were pictures of fires. But I thought he was a fireman. I didn't really think anything of it, you know. But now that I look back, it's kind of unreasonable. Like, that's not normal.
5: You're married to a cop. You don't see pictures of shootings all over the place
3: exactly that's exactly right but as a kid you don't really know what's normal
4: how many uh, how many of these fires did you say he got called on to investigate
3: can you repeat that I couldn't
4: hear you very good um, how many of these fires he said did he actually did he get called you're now the lead investigator on this fire
3: oh uh, gosh many of them many of them. At least the ones that were done locally, like the College Hills fire and stuff like that, he he definitely was there. And lots of times he was praised for how quickly he found the point of origin. Well, that's because he lit the dance <laughs> oh, <God.
2: laughs> <laughs> well, He's know? so intuitive. What was the College Hill, yeah. fi- what was the College Hill fire?
3: Um, that was a, a huge brush fire that also took out homes. And... Um, you know, that's one that they ultimately, you know, attributed to him. And it was millions of dollars of damage.
4: Wow. I seem to remember that uh, in one instance his device didn't succeed.
3: Correct. Potato and trips. that's the one that his fingerprint was found on. And yeah. that was in Northern California. So that wouldn't have been a fire that he was the investigator on it was somebody else and that they did take the device and um you know that's where they got the fingerprint
2: so we've (laughs) got the we've got one arson crossing another arson's work yes ta-da
3: and that person knew it was a fireman long before they ever Mm. you know the the task force believed that it was a fireman they didn't want to believe it
5: <clears throat> smart man or woman
3: yeah <laughs> it was a man and he yes he was very smart you
5: know i, I just had one question this is the other frank you oh. were talking about how you feel like your blood it comes from him and he, did you ever find out anything about his parents
3: yeah i i i knew his parents very well um he
5: did either of them have issues? Bit.
3: Well, I, I I don't think his father did. His father was a great man, or at least from what I knew of him. I've never heard an ill thing about him. Um, and he supported my dad until the day my grandfather died. He, he believed he was innocent and couldn't deal with any other alternative um, and still left money for my dad's brother to, to put on my dad's books once he died. So he took care of him even you know today um but his mom was an interesting woman she was a very bitter woman and um you know we saw her a lot but she i think she had some problems but i would never think it would be anything that would amount to what my dad's done
1: hmm. Hmm. i'm still thinking about the russian roulette
5: uh, yeah and when
2: here. and when you can do it next is that what you're? <laughs> no 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 okay
5: I got news for you. Burl's idea of actual Russian roulette is going with a bunch of Russian hookers. That's it. (laughs)
1: That's right. Don't have to bring up my (laughs) past. Hang on, Burl. Let's do that. Lori, you have a minute. Let's talk to
2: Burl.
5: Uh, Needless to say, because of you and because of others, that have been through what you've been through. Um, and knowing Burl, we don't give him matches.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> We're lucky we let him out of the rubber
1: room to get here. Yeah. Well, this, you know, this is the rubber safety room, Mark. first. Safety first. Mark,
2: uh, look around you. This is the rubber room.
1: Yeah. I thought it was the rubber room. No, no, you've been placed. You just don't know it yet. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, uh,
5: was it Shutter Island? Yeah. Uh-huh. I think Didn't all this take place when the whole business went down over in Glendale with your father was that during the period of time that uh, Zarian was the mayor
3: oh gosh i wouldn't know that
2: mm. wasn't I there always somebody idea. named zarian
5: the mayor in pretty glendale? much in glendale yeah. i mean if you <laughs> i'd like it i'd like to walk down a street in glendale and not run into uh, someone of armenian descent <laughs> that's
2: going to be very right. difficult Oh, are we pointing fingers now frank
1: no 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 okay
2: <laughs>
1: i always get armenians and albanians
2: confused yes you do <laughs> oh man are you kidding <laughs> how, how they
1: both well, start with a laurie once again albinos uh, as Lori, well laurie patience please <laughs> burl what the hell is the matter with you oh, if i knew that she and i could go to the same therapist <laughs> yeah you just split the cost <laughs> there you go Oh, times are tough all over the book is called "Burned," B-U-R-N-E-D. Burned. That's a great title <laughs> for this book. Yeah, no. it makes sense because she was burned. Yep. And so are yep. the absolutely. Unf- so are the unfortunate people who died as a result of all this. Uh, book is available for pre-order right now, which means you can buy it, read it, uh, get it, get it ready to be shipped to you before the official release, mm-hmm. and be one of the first people to have what we call in the industry the pride of ownership.
2: Yeah, they don't have to read it, Lori. That's how we do this here. Will will you guys be
5: doing books on it, Glendale?
1: (laughs) As I always tell people, you don't have to read the book, but at least buy it.
3: (laughs) Yes, I would appreciate it, but I really want people to read the book. Yeah. I really do. I think it's a good read. I think it's interesting, and I think it has a good message.
2: At the end of the day, what is the message? What do you want somebody to gain from reading this book?
3: Well, I want people to understand that the family members of the criminal are not guilty by association, and that they deserve compassion and empathy, just like the victims that were hurt in the crime. You know, they're another victim, and they're forgotten, and I think those people need help.
2: What do you suggest?
3: Well, I think, first of all, counseling, if there's any type—I looked for an organization— that does that that helps criminals' family members transition when they lose their loved one that way there are none out there there is one organization that helps that helps a little bit through um allowing the criminals to send their kids like small children presents and stuff while they're in jail um, to maintain the relationship. But there's only one organization that helps with that. And what these kids need is they need counseling and therapy so that they can grow up and, and have confidence and have a normal life. And a lot of times their choice is oh my gosh this terrible thing happened to me and so now I'm just going to be a basket case and I'm going to do drugs and I'm going to you know not have a good life because I deserve that that's what I got you know and and it doesn't have to be like that you know people need help and I think that also I didn't get to go to college I graduated in 1991 my dad was arrested mm. my dad was an earner I couldn't get financial aid because he needed too much money during the period and uh, yeah, I was on my own. You know, that was uh, so. Scholarships for these these kids that are affected by it. Um, things like that are what I would like to see.
2: That makes sense. Uh, outside of raising four kids and writing a book, what else do you do with your time?
3: <laughs> well, I had a twenty-year career in human resources.
4: Oh,
0: please!
3: And then at thirty-five years old, I had a heart attack.
1: Oh, oh my God! Oh.
3: And so then. Um, uh, I continued to work, but two years later, I had another heart attack, so I was forced to go on disability. And that's when I really started pushing for this book. I was a worker. I loved working. And once I stopped, I, I felt a great loss. And so I needed something to put my energy in, and I put it into this book.
2: Was uh, the stress a factor in your heart attack?
3: I oh, was, you know, probably, but um, they... They don't know why I had a heart attack. I had a dissection of an artery, and it was very random, and there's no heart disease in my family or anything like that, so it was very random. I don't know what caused it, but I know stress doesn't help it.
5: Yeah, that's a fact. You may have also had a broken heart.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That I do. That I do.
5: Well, you
1: certainly Especially speak very well. You state. represent yourself and what you believe in very, very well. And, uh, oh, thank you. Uh, excellent. If uh, you do as well on the other programs as you do on this one, you got it knocked, honey. You got it, it made. Uh, you oh, got
2: thank it? thank you. You'll
1: live it up, Dan Zapanski. You got it knocked, honey? You know you got baby, sweetheart, <laughs> <Wow>. sugar pie, <laughs>
5: tootsie.
2: tootsie. What is this, <laughs> the
5: late 60s? <laughs> do let us know if you're doing any book signings in the area.
3: Well, we are doing a book signing on June
5: 9th. And where is at, that going
3: to be? Um, Barnes & Noble in Redlands.
5: I knew it would be a bookstore.
1: It Man, is. You're
3: so it's cognitive So anyone who would like to go to that, that would be great. Books will be available to buy there, and we'll we'll sign them up for you and answer any questions. She
0: the you say the Redlands? Yeah. Yes, I like, Redlands, uh, California. I like the Redlands. There's a great old uh, steakhouse there, and I can't think of the name, but there's only one.
3: Oh, Redlands is a great city for, for dining. They it have is. a great
0: restaurant. It is. It's just a funky town with tons of mansions. Really? Yes. Old
1: ones yeah. or new ones? Very old. I like those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of He's old world, yeah, that's me. <laughs> 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 He's the oldest man in the room. That's
2: right. Thank you so much. Hey, Lori, thank you very, very you much. You see Frank
3: before I do, say
2: hi for me. Yeah, and good luck with the book. Yes. Yeah, it's called Thank Thanks Burn. so
3: much. I appreciate your support. I really do. You thank
1: bet. you. You bet. We'll see you again. Good She's and a great, nice, nice lady. Yeah. Hey, Burl. Yeah. What's next? Magic Matt Allen, probably with special guest Chasey Lane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Chasey, uh, I didn't know Chasey Lane was going to try to be on the show until about midnight last night. You know, <laughs> if, if we called to borrow $10. Yeah, And I w- said, Good. How go about you so do fine. a radio show?
0: Yeah, right. So come to the house. Good idea, Burl. And who's going to pay for this? It's going to be you, No, it'll be me. Laurie no, will be on my ass for this. I paid the $10 already. And she'll think that I knew about it because, you know, I'm the only one who's honest. In, well, not in this room, but oh, all behind oh, this whoa, booth. Delusions yeah. of honesty. <laughs> yeah, next Oprah. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Dr. Phil, too. Oh,
0: God, what an idiot. And by Phil him. That
1: and guy. so what is next? What's oh, next? Magic Man out on the Demons of Decadence. <laughs> Live from the Light Up Lounge at com. <laughs>
0: Yeah, not to mention, probably heard it on KJR. 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 I don't, see, I don't feel.